everybody. It's an absolute honor and a privilege to have you with us. If you're new, my name is Peter Botros, and I'm a member of staff here. And it's an absolute joy to see you with us as we conclude our series, Take Off. And today, pardon the pun, we prepare for landing. So I'm going to give it my best shot. God has had us on a few weeks of exploring the idea of the person, ministry, and impact of the Holy Spirit over our lives. And I understand for some of us, we are maybe familiar with the concept of relating to the Holy Spirit. Maybe you grew up in an environment where it is essential for you to connect with God's Spirit in order to live life that is pleasing to God. Maybe for others of us, we grew in a traditional environment where you believed in God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Word. And you didn't have any relationship whatsoever with God the Holy Spirit. Maybe for us, the last thing we want to be challenged with is living a life that's beyond the Sunday service because we're good Baptists. We come to church. We serve when we need to serve. But leave me alone. I will do what I wish to do with my life. And I know that I know that your heart is not satisfied with that lifestyle. And no matter how much money you make, and no matter how many applauds you get from people, adoring people around you, no matter how much you achieve in life or even in ministry, as long as you live with that wholehearted devotion to the one that loves you and died and rose again, you will be unfulfilled. So in the past four weeks, to the best of my abilities, I have attempted to convict encourage a challenge do somersaults do whatever i could do to encourage you to live on a different plane because you can live in the flesh you can live with your own abilities you can live christian walk with the power of your fitness and performance or you could live in the power of the holy spirit and live an extraordinary life and there is nothing that breaks my heart and absolutely discourage me to bits than to see people who began a walk with Jesus and attempt to live the rest of their life in a manner that is equivalent to an unbelieving person fighting their way through life. And then they declare defeat and declare discouragement. And they say, I can't move any much longer with God. I can't devote more time to God. I can't give my life over to God. I'm crippled by money. I'm crippled by temptations. I'm crippled by addictions. I'm crippled by emotions. And I want to shake every single one of them. I say, if the power that raised Jesus from the dead resides in your body, are you more dead than dead? How could be the power of the Holy Spirit of God alive in you and you live life defeated under the power of the enemy? Is God not able to conquer your enemy? Is God not able to conquer your addiction? Is God not able to conquer your selfishness? God is able. Your God and my God 
is able. The problem is not God's ability. The problem is that so many of us are satisfied with life walking in our own abilities. And we have declared this week after week that living by the flesh, that means living in your own natural abilities, as compared to living by your God-enabled nature, the new nature by the power of the Spirit, is like walking on a plane as compared to flying by a plane. If you can't travel on a plane, why on earth would you walk? If you can jump into God's enabling power and live life beyond the gravity, beyond the pull, beyond the distortion and the distraction of the enemy, why would you try to fight your way through it in your ability? So I have got nothing else to offer, but invite you today to reconsider if you have not given Christ, a whole heart devotion and surrender and invited the Holy Spirit to take control over your life because He will enable you to live the life that you've always wanted by His power. Relating to the Holy Spirit happens in three distinct expressions. First one, is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about that several weeks ago. Then it's the filling of the Spirit where you don't uh, get more of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit gets more of you. Then last week we began talking about the overflow of the Spirit where God's characteristics begin to be manifested in you and we call that the fruit of the Spirit. And then today, I want to focus for the last time on the capabilities of Jesus as Jesus actually manifests His abilities in your life. We call that the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So why on earth do we need the capabilities and the enablement of the Holy Spirit in our lives? A simple reason is, you have been given a divine assignment. Whether you know it or not, whether you've accepted it or not, you have been given from God a divine assignment. Some of us are living our own assignment. Good luck. The day will come when you realize it's empty and unfulfilling. Some of us are living someone else's assignment because of pressure, because of reputation, because of applause, whatever it might be. But many of us are trying to live God's assignments for our lives, but with our own abilities. And that's frustrating. And that's deflating. Because you cannot live with God's assignment in your own ability. You need the enablement of the Holy Spirit. And when you live in the enablement of the Holy Spirit, when you live in the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, three things happen. Number one, there is flow. All of a sudden, you do God's business with ease. I don't mean without problems, because as long as you walk with God, you will have problems, you will have opposition, because the enemy is not going to sit down and clap you. 
You will have opposition, but you will have a sense of flow in whatever you're doing that is God's assignment over you. There is a sense of motivation that comes because you're living what God has designed you to live out. And then there is a sense of fulfillment where you feel like I was born for this. This is not easy, but man, I love doing what God asked me to do. And thirdly, there is a sense of fruitfulness where you're not just fighting your way through it and nothing happens in return. There's a sense of effectiveness. God is doing something big or small through you, but God is doing something and you can sense it. And you know what? Jesus himself, who fulfilled God's assignment for his life, it's written in John chapter 17 and verse 4, that he fulfilled the plan of God to the minutest details. He says that I glorified you on earth by fulfilling to the minutest detail the assignment you've given me. And he did it by the power of the Spirit of God. He says the Spirit of God is upon me. To preach good news, to heal the sick, to bend the, uh, the, the brokenhearted. Look at what happens in the book of Luke and chapter 4. It tells us that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, that means He's filled, totally and utterly surrendered in ways we can't even understand. He was filled by the Holy Spirit. He returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, being filled by the Spirit. Being surrendered to the Holy Spirit, you do whatever He calls you to do, even if it means going into the desert. But look at this awesome scripture, 14 verses later. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee, not full of the Spirit this time. It says, in the power of the Spirit. There is a difference between being surrendered and allowing God the Holy Spirit to live in power through you where you no longer live based on your resources and your capabilities and your motivation and your struggles, where you live in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how Jesus amazed the world with the manifestation of God through everything He said, did, thought. Whatever He did, He did in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is available for you and me. Because do you know that Jesus himself said that greater things than these you will do. Like either Jesus is delusional or lying. But as far as I'm concerned, he's so truthful, not a single soul can say he ever said something and didn't come to pass. So if Jesus promised you and me, that you could live life as an overflow of the presence of His Spirit. He's true. And the only reason why we're not living on a different plane is because we are not willing to. And I love encouraging us as a church. It's something that I prayed for and I do regularly. But today I'm going to challenge us. Because this is my last opportunity to tell you, you have every hope of living on a different plane. If you don't want to, you are condemning yourself to failure in your spiritual walk. But that does not have to be you. You can live by the enablement of the Spirit of God. You can fulfill your God-given assignment by the Spirit's power, not by your own power.
Unfortunately, because we have replaced the power of the Spirit with camera light and action, with whatever we can do to entertain and whatever we can do to impose our own wisdom, understanding, manipulation, whatever persuasion, we have forgotten that you can't accomplish God's divine plan with human capabilities. And we have the opportunity because of the blood of Jesus, because of the love of God our Father, that He enabled us to have the DNA of the Holy Spirit, the DNA of Christ, the Spirit of Christ is on the inside of us. Not to sit there, but to enable you to live the life that Jesus would have lived if, if He was in your body. So there are three categories of the gift of the Spirit. Number one, is knowledge supernatural knowledge number two is supernatural actions and number three is supernatural utterance there are actually three areas of the new testament that paul speaks of the gifts of the holy spirit not once it wasn't a fluke it was intentional as three times in romans chapter 12 in first corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14 and again in ephesians chapter 4 he speaks on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And whilst the entire uh, three uh, passages have a combined 19 separate gifts that you can list, it's actually not an exhaustive list. No list has all of them, so we can be 100% sure that the Spirit of God enables people with different gifts as need arises. But there are supernatural knowledge, like knowledge and wisdom that the God gives us without us having to work for it or learn it. It's just something that, it, that comes from above. It's from the Father of lights that is given to a believer. There are supernatural actions like healings and powers and signs and wonders. There's supernatural utterance like prophecy, like tongues, like inter interpretation of tongues. There are so many ways in which God, in fact, you see serving gifts, you see giving gifts, you see leadership gifts. You find so many different gifts in the New Testament. They are divine enablement, a way to do life with God's abilities. But you might be sitting there and your theological conviction says, I'm a dispensationalist. I am a person that believes the gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased after the times of the apostles. And I fully understand that. There are many godly, honoring people that love Jesus, that are so much more informed than me, who believe that. They believe, based in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 10, that the time will come when the perfect one comes, or when completeness comes, and the gifts will cease. It says tongues will cease, says prophecies will cease, and that's understandable. Their, their, their interpretation of that, that once the canon came, once the, the scripture was, was, was presented to us in the way we, we today know it, there was no need for supernatural gifts anymore as much as my little knowledge would allow me to say that's a wrong interpretation of that passage the passage says when completeness comes the only one person that's complete is jesus when other interpretations when the perfect one comes those gifts will cease and most 
level-headed, balanced interpreters of the Scripture would say that means after the second coming, of course we don't need any gifts. So biblically, we know that that interpretation is contradictory. Again, with Mark chapter 16, when Jesus said to his disciples, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. He doesn't say those signs will follow the 12 of you, and after that everybody else is stuffed. It says these signs will follow those who believe in my name. So, secondly, what do you think about our world compared to their world? Do you reckon their world needed a supernatural validation of the reality of God? And our world, they now all believe in Jesus. They don't need validation of the reality of God. In fact, I would dare say to you that we as individual and collective groups of believers need a realization that God is real and God can change our lives because if we keep doing things our own way, we're reaping the same result that we've always reaped. We, more than anything else, we need the move of God's Spirit in our lives because you would testify that we as a Christian community, not necessarily just here, we have allowed the enemy to bring down our our passion for God. We have more lethargy than we've ever had. We've had more lack of surrender than we've ever had. We've got people living for themselves and for their own selfish ambition and dreams and careers and money. And, we, and, and, and we've pulled the masks that we can show people on a Sunday morning. We need the power of God's Spirit to enable us to live the life that we've always wanted. But let me tell you, history proves every single person that doubts the gifts of the Spirit wrong. Because throughout the, the, immediately after the apostolic era, we have enough historical evidence by people like Arianus, by people like Augustine, by people like Anthony of the desert. We've got enough historical evidence that after the apostles, they were exhibited manifestations of God's presence and power throughout all eras. And if you've gone to the, to, to the third world developing country, you would have seen it yourself. I had a staff member once join my team, and he was a pastor who's been uh, immersed in the idea of, of, uh, of dispensationalism. And somebody, uh, God loves him and, and, and forgives him, uh, he said to him, oh, you'll never be able to work with Peter because he's a man of the Holy Spirit, as if like I committed a murder to be a man of the Holy Spirit. So the guy, in order to just calm things down, he came to me and said, look, I am a dispensationalist person. I don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I understand that you do. I said, of course I do. You don't have to believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit because that's not like a, a cornerstone of our faith. We still believe in Jesus, the Son of God who was crucified and rose again, and we can work harmoniously together without those other things that divide. I said, but I want to tell you something. You will lose if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit manifested through you and through your ministry. And we left it at that. Several months later, I would say maybe 12 months later, we had a, a prayer gathering. And we, it was our custom to have a healing at the end of the prayer gathering. And, and this guy came to me mid-session and, and said to me, Peter, when is the healing session? 
And I thought, man, that's not a good time to pick on me, huh? Not a good time to pick on somebody in the midst of the prayer. What were you trying to, uh, you, you know, to provoke me? And I laughed at him and left him. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's all right. And I left. And then he came to me again. I said, when is the healing thing? I thought, oh, I don't know, mate. What, what, are, you, what, are, we, what are you up to? So anyway, a bit later, I said, we're going to have time of prayer. Bang, he was the first person up the front. I was so scared I sent somebody else, a younger person that doesn't understand about the cessation of the gifts. I said, you go to him. He had no idea. And prayed over the guy and we left. It was, you know, an ordinary night, like usually. And, uh, and we went home. Four days later, we're having a staff meeting. And he says, I want to praise God about something. I'm like, yeah, go for it, mate. And he said, uh, in the prayer and healing session, I went up for prayer. I said, yeah, I was surprised. I said, praise God, I can raise my shoulder. And he was like a five-year-old. He had a healing of his shoulder. He couldn't raise his shoulder. Even those who don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit get healed. Amazing. And the reason why sometimes we don't allow the Spirit to have full control is sometimes we're ignorant of why he does what he does. And that was the people of, the, uh, of Corinth, a place in the southern uh, area of Greece where Paul had reached out to them and spent about a year and a half with them. And they're experiencing an amazing manifestation of God's presence in their midst. About three or four years later, about 54, 55 AD, Paul writes to them a letter from a place called Ephesus. And he writes to them because he had heard news that between them there is dissension and disunity and disorder and dysfunction and, and defilement. They were living an impure life. They were suing one another. They were mucking around in the, uh, in the worship services. They were messed up people. And they also sent him a letter. And he responds to that letter by a word that says concerning such and such. And he uses it often from 1 Corinthians chapter 7 all the way until the end, responding to worship, responding to food offered to idols. And then he responds to them about the gifts of the, uh, the spiritual gifts. And he says concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. In fact, the interpretation of it, concerning spiritualities or concerning spiritual matters. Friends, I don't want you to be ignorant. And it's the best treatment in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, the best treatment of what we can understand about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So let me briefly mention to you a couple of things about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how we can apply that in our lives even today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting for four, verses 4 to 7. It says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Have you noticed what he's saying from the very start about the spiritual gift, the manifestations of the capabilities of Jesus? Notice here, if you would, that it's all manifestation of the presence of the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God is on the inside of you and He oozes out of you, He oozes those capabilities 
of Jesus himself, the manifestation of the Spirit. It says that there are different kinds of gifts. Why? Because there are different kinds of service. There are different opportunities. There are different ministries. There are different functions. And Paul here is about to speak to us about the whole body, the unity and the diversity that you find in the body. And he's saying the nose and the ear and the eye, they have different capabilities because they have different working. They have different functions. So the body requires those different manifestations. Can you see here? It says, now to each one, the manifestation. of That means every God follower, every disciple of Jesus has at least one gift has at least one gift that the Holy Spirit gives to the believer. And he's about to list to us one of those uh, uh, categories of the different gifts. He says, to the one that is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. Here is the supernatural knowledge, the abilities to do things the right way at the right time for the right motive. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. Here, miraculous powers means activities of powers. This is extraordinary activities, whether uh, exercising demons, raising the dead, whatever it might be. To another, prophecy that is not only foretelling, that's forthtelling. It's edification and encouragement. How could God not want that to stay in the church? How could prophecy cease if prophecy is about edification of the believers, just the strengthening and the building up of the body, as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14? How could that even make sense that God doesn't want to build up His body? doesn't make any sense to me. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. There's the tongues of men or tongues of people and tongues of angels. Tongues of men is understandable language. Tongues of angels is prayer language, prayer tongue, where you speak without you fully understanding. It says, whoever speaks in tongues edifies himself because he connects with God. You think it's weird? That's okay. You don't have to do it. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. Who determines what gift you've got? Who determines what gift you've got? It's not what you feel comfortable with. It's not what gift uh, you fancy. It's what, not what gift you prefer. It's not what gift is showy, like the Corinthians wanted the showy gifts. It's whatever gift God has for you by the power of His Spirit. He manifests His power in you based on two things. If you would humor me, if you don't want to say it out loud, you might say it in your own mind. The Holy Spirit releases His gifts based on your assignment and your alignment. Based on your assignment and your alignment. Let's say it one more time. Your assignment and your alignment. Your assignment is freely given to you. The Holy Spirit gives you a role, gives you a plan, gives you a mission, gives you an individual assignment to do in life. And that's freely given. Your alignment to the plans and desires of the Holy Spirit enables you to experience the fullness of His gifts. 
If you're not aligned, even though you've got an assignment, you wouldn't experience the ultimate release of His gifts in you. So let me ask you, how do we manifest the Spirit's capacity, Jesus' competencies, His capabilities over our lives? I'm going to finish off by giving you three quick things before we spend time in prayer. Number one, it's a supernatural ability. It requires your availability, and God rewarded authority. Let me quickly go through those so that you know if you truly want to declare to the people around you in the world and in your church community the abilities of Jesus and do works, greater works than that of Christ for the glory of God, you know how to do that. Number one, God-given ability. Spiritual gifts are simply supernatural abilities that you do not have on your own, and you cannot manufacture, and you cannot learn them, and you cannot build them up. They're supernatural abilities. They're something beyond your natural abilities. May God use your natural abilities, but He uh, uh, turbocharges that. Uh, uh, he puts supernatural wings on that ability. So it's not your natural ability. It's a supernatural ability that enables your ability to function in God's work. God appoints your function and therefore provides the gifts necessarily necessary for that job. That's clearly in, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 28 and Ephesians 4, 11. Gifts are given to each one of us. You can't say I don't have a gift. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a gift. So what's your role? Desire that spiritual gift. That's what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 4, 14, 1. He says, eagerly desire the spiritual gift. You know who eagerly desires that? If you're a parent and you're stuck in a situation with your kids, and you just tried everything you can, and you've learned everything you could in order to help them out, and you don't have it, you eagerly desire a supernatural intervention from God so you can do what your role demands. God wants to give you that. God wants to give you a supernatural ability for whatever task that you have. It doesn't have to be like we've given you in the sheet when you walked in, uh, in a specific gift. You can ask God for a brand new gift. You can ask God for a parenting gift. You can ask God, you know, God in the Old Testament used to give gifts to those artists and the builders. You can ask for a building gift. You can ask for a craftsman gift. You can ask for a musicianship gift. You can ask for a communication gift. You can ask for a loving gift. You can ask for a service heart, a servant heart. You can ask for a supernaturally charged gift that enables you to do the assignment that God has for you. But first, you need to realize that you don't have the capacity. Because as long as you feel that you've got it covered, as long as you feel that I can do it in my own abilities, you will never eagerly desire a spiritual gift. The second thing is your God-prompted availability. Gifts are needed to complement the work of the body. And if you allow yourself to be used in the environment where God enables you to move, 
if you're not selfish and living for your own purposes, God will not only enable and release your gift, He will actually expand your scope. Do you remember the, the, the scripture that Jesus said, those who are faithful in the little will be what? Come on. Raised over much. If you are faithful with the little that God gives you, with the little assignment that God gives you, He will expand the scope of your influence. Are you available for God to use you? Are you too busy because you're looking after your own career? You're looking after your own hobbies? You're looking after your money? You're looking after your future? And you wonder why God's blessing and free release of His His power is not in you. You know why it's not happening. It's not a mystery. God's hand is not shortened to save. God gives liberally and without reproach. It's because you're so stuck in self-centered world, you're not available for God. You want God to bless you so you could have what you want. But God is not silly. He only gives those who are willing to give others. He's only willing to give those who are faithful with the little. He's not after popularity chart and who's, who should I give based on who is loved. He only gives those who are available to be used. And the last thing, so you need to excel in that. You need to develop your gift. You need to use your gift. You need to fan into flame the gift that was, that was given to you by the laying on of the hands, as Paul tells Timothy. The last one is God awarded authority. And if there's nothing else I would share with you, this is the number one reason why we don't see the release of the giftings of God in our lives. You see, gifts are given for the purpose of the common good. That means God wants to give you and release gifts over you if your motive is right. I thought, you know, Early when I got exposed to this idea of gifts, it's like something that you come up the front and you receive a gift and use it for your own purposes. And God is not going to release gifts that for the wrong motives because it's going to set you up for failure and He cares about you too much to allow the gifts to ruin your intimacy with Him. But if you want to use it for the correct motives, which is the common good, God is more than lavish in His gifts and love. You see, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 are about the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13 is about love. Because that which is motivated by love can release God's presence and power in your life. Authority is basically your right to use your gift. You can have the gift, but if you're not authorized to use it, it's dormant. So you can't have the green light from God unless you have right motives. And until you have right motives, you'll always struggle with the fact that you've got the gift, but it's not coming out. It's not released. It's not effective. It's always pumping against problems because there is selfishness in the heart. Look at what James, the brother of Jesus, asserts in James 4, 2 and 3. It says, when you ask, you do not receive. That doesn't make sense. Jesus said, ask and you will receive. How come we don't receive? It says, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. There is no authority 
in our lives unless there is correct motives. Why do we want God to release His healing power through us? Why do we want God to release knowledge and wisdom through us? Why do we want God to, 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 to do His prophetic word through us? You, God will not do anything unless you're willing to have a correct motive. Otherwise, He doesn't listen. If we treasure sin in our hearts, God does not listen to us. Not because He doesn't want us. Not because He doesn't love us deeply. But He needs to discipline us in a way that will provide a future that is honoring to God and helpful for us and good for people. One of my favorite Bible scholars, I read to him a, a, a quote uh, maybe 15 years ago, but I've never forgotten it. It says, the gifts of the Spirit are not weapons to fight with. They are not toys to play with. They are tools to build with. They are not weapons to fight. Oh, man, I've got this. Oh, you're going to beat everybody around you with your arrogance. They are not toys. Oh, man, I've got three gifts. Who gives a hoot what gifts you've got? If they're not helpful for the rest of the body, you can keep them to yourself in your toy cupboard. But he's saying they are tools to build with. You can receive any gift you need. You can receive any gift you need if you ask with the right motive, not for you, but for the benefit of all. My dad have experience supernatural touch of God anointing over his life. He has seen revival like nobody's seen revival. He has seen blind people, dumb people, paralyzed people get up and walk. He has seen supernatural transformation of one of the most traditional churches in history. Maybe the most traditional. And it all started with 1964 when he was part of a, a denomination that didn't even believe in faith and the blood of Jesus. He actually went to Ephesians chapter 2 and wiped out the verse that says, by faith you've been saved. He wiped it. He says, this is a, an inclusion from the, product, the evangelical church. I don't believe in that. That's how rigid he was. But then he had an encounter with the Spirit of God. He had an encounter with the blood of Jesus and, and, and experienced the salvation that comes to those who are actually willing to open their heart for Christ. And then he wanted to share that with everybody. So he started doing a, 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 a lectures about salvation and the blood of Jesus. But that first morning, it was a Friday morning, he was about to have the first lecture and he's been fasting for three days so that God would inhabit him with his spirit and fill him and overflow through him so that people can be persu persuaded with the ministration of the spirit and of power. And he was sitting there in the upper room until the meeting uh, starts and he's saying to God, well, I'm not going to go down until you fill me by your spirit. I just don't have anything to give unless you fill me by the spirit. So uh, he heard a voice in his mind that said to him, why do you want to be filled by the spirit? And he said, so that I can preach this, the gospel with power and people can be saved. And God said to him, you sure you don't want it because you want to be the greatest preacher around? And he says, it was like a bucket of cold water fell upon his head. He said, God, if you think that I have bad motives, forget it. And he went and locked the door of the apartment and sat so sad. He said it might have been hours, but maybe it would have been just a few minutes. He can't tell. 
And then uh, the, 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 the voice came into his mind again and says, uh, tell me again, what do you want to be filled by the Spirit? And he said, God, you know, I want these people to receive the gospel and be saved. They've never heard anything like that before. And God said to him, so why do you want the filling? He said, so that they can be saved of their sins. And God said to him, you think I can save these people of their sins, but I can't save you of your ego. And he says it was something that just transformed his life. He began to pray again. And within who knows how long, within moments, he was inhabited by the Spirit of God like never before. It says it was like electricity shining through his body. He fell on the floor. He doesn't know for how long. All he knew is that the people downstairs came upstairs and broke the door of the apartment because he wasn't responding. And they brought him down. He says, you have to preach. You have to preach. Everybody's waiting. And he went down, obviously, in this, uh, in this uh, state. He forgot in his notes. And he, he just couldn't even preach. He just cried throughout the service. And it was the turning point that changed. Ridiculous thousands upon thousands. We even hear of millions of people of a different religion who are currently following Jesus because somebody chose the Holy Spirit to fill and overflow through them despite of their wrong motives. What about you? Today could be the day where you say to God, I want the enabling of your spirit. And even though maybe, God, I've got wrong motives, I want you to crush those wrong motives. And I want you to enable me to do the assignment that I have on earth with your abilities. So, we have been praying and fasting. I've asked the prayer intercessors to pray and fast as much as they could in the past three days for, for a moment like this. Because you and I don't want to be a mediocre Christian. We have tried to walk with Jesus. We have tried to walk with our fitness and performance. And maybe it's time we're saying, God, enable us to live the life that you called us to live with your abilities. So, Courageously, I'm going to ask you to come. I've asked the prayer team to come up the front and to pray for those who want to declare whatever gifting that they need that is according to their assignment. And maybe as you come up, don't ask for a gift before you ask God to correct your motives. You see what saddens me? For the last four weeks, we spoke about the empowerment of the Spirit. And I still meet with people who are not empowered by the Spirit and blaming themselves. Why do you blame yourself? You should have come and asked for prayers humbly. Not pretend that you've got it all. Not worried about what everybody else thinks of you. And actually ask the Holy Spirit to break, break pride in our lives so that He can manifest His presence through us. And once we pray over those people who want a new gift, a new enablement, parenting enablement, communication enablement, healing enablement, prophetic enablement, wisdom enablement, 
whatever it might be, giving enablement, then we're going to invite people that need healing today. I believe healing is in the house. Emotional healing in the name of Jesus will happen and will happen here and will happen by the power of the blood of Jesus and by the authority of the Word of God. And if you want to, you can. One of my friends that I asked to pray the past few days, he wrote me a text yesterday and said, I believe healing occurred when people have authentic faith and selfless humility. I couldn't agree more. Would you humbly come and allow someone to pray over you and walk in the newness of life? Let's be upstanding. Middle of that song, I'm going to invite you. Let's be upstanding. If you want a gift enablement, come towards this area there where the cross is. Can we please move that table a little bit to the back? And then we're going to ask for those who require emotional and spiritual healing to come up the front after that.